So welcome everyone to the Evolution Exchange. Uh, the Evolution Exchange is a platform for thought leaders within tech and fintech to share ideas on current topic of relevance to our community of technology and business followers globally. Uh, today we're talking about a particularly poignant topic of the moment, surviving the AI takeover. Um, which IT jobs will thrive and which will die. So I think every every LinkedIn uh, pop-up I've seen or every second LinkedIn pop-up I've seen over the past few months has been uh, related to AI. So I think a particularly interesting discussion. And, and I'm delighted to be joined by Shamit Kundu, Hardy Parora, and Nilesh Shambag. And just to do some brief intros, Shamit is currently the Head of Financial Services and Strategy for True Era a startup dedicated to building trust in AI, ex-chief data officer at Standard Charter Bank and a member of the Singapore Government's Advisory Council on Ethical Use of AI. Nilesh is a CIO, business technology for Asia Pacific for J&J, Johnson & Johnson, having been part of J&J for 20 years, leading strategy programs across the business and technology. Hardeep is the director and head of AI engineering for Timus, uh, joint venture dedicated to transformation across the public and private sector in Singapore, ex-management consultant with an extensive track record in innovation around big data and analytics. So delighted to be joined by all three of you. And if you wouldn't mind just doing a quick intro um, yourselves, that'd be fantastic. Um, Shamit, do you want to kick off? Sorry, I was fiddling. Um, sorry, intro to myself, you mean? Intro to yourself. Yeah, I mean, you've already introduced myself. So I guess the only thing I would say is, is the company I work for, Truera, is uh, it's not directly in the space of looking at jobs with AI, but we certainly spend a lot of time looking at the quality of, TA, of, of AI, including uh, the newest generative AI uh, systems and uh, how reliable they are um, and how usable they are in real life. So that gives me, I suppose, uh, a relatively hands-on perspective from the perspective of is the AI good enough um, in many areas um, that, that's probably the only thing I'd add and delighted to be here uh, in this very interesting conversation awesome thanks Shemek um, Hardeep yep thanks a lot so I'm Hardeep um, I'm the director of AI at Themis and uh, again you introduced me on that part uh, so yeah, for me, I'm working with a lot of clients and the entire uh, hype that is happening around generative AI. So getting involved with a lot of client discussions and getting to see this industry up and close. So yeah, definitely want to bring some perspectives based on what I've seen firsthand. And yeah, glad to be here. Awesome. And Nilesh. Yeah, thank you. For, first of all, thank you for uh, inviting me to this uh, very interesting chat. So. Nilesh Shanbag, I think you already introduced me. So I have a role of uh, Chief Information Officer for uh, the life sciences business in Johnson & Johnson. And um, again, from a commercial um, standpoint, right, we are really looking at how do we bring AI to really truly differentiate in terms of uh, how do we engage with our customers, how do we bring the products effectively to market in terms of and drive business growth. So, so it's really looking at very possible AI applications to drive business growth. Okay, okay, brilliant. Um, so I guess if we jump straight into the questions. Um, so first question, um, which technology jobs do you believe are most at risk of being replaced by AI in the next five to 10 years and why? And conversely, which jobs do you think will be the most in demand as companies adopt AI technology? So, uh, Hardeep, do you want to take that one first? 
Sure. So before I go into that, I think I just want to give a brief about uh, what's happening right now. What is causing this entire conversation on AI today, right? So this is basically generative AI or what we are calling chat GPT. It's a language based model. Now, again, quoting a statement from uh, Sam Altman, uh, which he uh, was at the Congress yesterday. And he said that chat GPT is not a creature. It's just a tool. And what it is good at is doing tasks and not jobs as yet, right? So we are basically talking about a tool that we have in our hand and we are talking about knowledge work automation in the uh, in the near term, right? So the way I am thinking about this is there is going to be a near term impact and there is going to be a long term impact. In near term, more around two to five years, uh, there is going to be more augmentation, right? Augmentation in the sense of uh, allowing to automate tasks which are more repetitive in nature and that don't add a lot of value, right? Like going through a lot of documentations and generating some insights out of them. This is going to be mainly focused at back office and middle office in large companies. Now in other industries like uh, screenwriters, content creation, they might also have some impact. Now, uh, Again, the way this is going to lead into impact is that uh, in the near term, there is going to be a slowdown in hiring rather than a job loss in my view. And again, uh, anecdote here is that IBM recently announced that they are going to do a hiring freeze in accounting and HR jobs because they want to see how the automation is going to impact, right? So rather than requiring a lot of people or hiring a lot of people up front, people are going to try and make their existing force workforce more productive and then seeing how it evolves right now again this technology is not perfect today right like it's very hard to control generative ai and it's not it's not uh, uh, repeatable in the sense that the same question can get you different answers so you have to tame this technology before it can really get to a level where it is good enough to replace jobs and again i think that is going to take a lot of engineering and another five to ten years easily uh and another way of looking at it is that uh, even when AI can automate some of the jobs, right, there would be still some jobs that would require human connection, like maybe nurses, maybe therapists, maybe teachers even, right? You won't want AI to replace these kind of jobs, right? And then there would be jobs like judges and doctors, right? You probably also don't want these jobs to be replaced by AI. Now, in terms of the new jobs that are going to get created, I can talk about technology industry. So I feel that software engineers are going to get more productive. But since there is going to be a lot of application of software, you would still need more software engineers to come in the play. Now, I will let Shamik uh, talk about the AI ethics and safety. But I think these are going to be really important roles as well as a new thing which is coming like how do you teach people to use this kind of AI. So basically people around teaching AI and prompt engineering, which is how you interact with some of these language models today. Fantastic. Thanks, Hardy. Um, so you mentioned doctors and then went on to mention ethics. So we'll start with Nilesh with the same question and then move on to Shamik. Nilesh, um, same question, which tech jobs do you believe are most at risk by being replaced by AI and which you think will be most in demand? No, it's a pretty good question right look um that I, I am going to base it uh, broadly on ai not just on generative ai as we speak right so so clearly at least in the near future what it's going to do is make uh, jobs a lot more efficient because it's going to take the load of people who do deep analysis where things in the past took a long time to sieve through a large sets of data or they had to do the large sets of documents etc etc that 
that piece of work is going to be fully automated i think ai like if you apply the the models effectively is going to take the load of a few people so then you can then actually take away that time they use for for doing those mundane tasks into a lot more value creation so it, it creates capacity and space for human intelligence to apply in the right places i think that's where it efficiency starts to go up um i think i think if you look at the mid term to longer term i think like if again looking back right if you look back in any of the projections go back in 21 22 i don't see in the large names will take gartner or take any of the big five right? they generally have this technology projections i think nowhere did generative ai was saying that it's a trend right and obviously you know see how it's disrupted um for me i think the critical piece is is the a the active use of data right so how good can we get the use of data i think predominantly none of the models would be working if you don't have good sets of data it's like like it's garbage if, it, if bad data means garbage and garbage out so it's it is going to be a function of how good your data is going to be i think there's going to be a lot of work on improving that quality of data and then this is where the model will also start to these all these models will try and help you out in terms of improving that further imply and so further application and further evolving um uh, from that sense i think um we did again from an application side uh, as we know i think hadeep uh, did allude to the people like content creators or people software engineers i think their jobs are getting get a lot more sophisticated because there there is a starting point they don't have to start from scratch there is already a starting point and there's a lot more of efficiency gains there and then from a, from a business application side like you talked about like customers how do you engage with customers i think we're going to get a lot more precise because i'm close to the healthcare industry get a lot more precise in terms of how you serve your customers because there's a lot of information around your customers which you can triangulate and serve your customers in a much better way and then from um, again since the doctors came up from a physician perspective i know there is like, taking a very specific use case in terms of diagnosis right this is where i think it it's going to get a lot more sophisticated like i think it the machine can diagnose a lot better than what a, a, a radiologist or, or a doctor can do i think it can predict outcomes a lot faster and a lot more consistently i think that's where again it will make physicians job a lot more easier in terms of what is the outcome focusing on the outcome how do i treat my patient better using uh, that information i think that's where i think um, start to get with um one one last thing before i'll, uh, I'll pass it on to shamik i think what we have seen in terms of the advances the the amount of advances that we've sa- seen in the last century we will see more than double or more than 10 times the advancements in the next decade because we're going to bring the art of science and data science together i think this is where i see the explosion fantastic thanks nilesh um and finally shmeek um same question thanks very much um uh, hardeep and nilesh have covered a lot of ground so i'll try and uh focus on newer stuff so a few things first of all before i get into my main answer um if the question is beyond it i would strongly recommend a book from about 6 years ago i think 
from 2018 by uh, Julia Kirby and Tom Davenport. I can put in the message afterwards. Uh, called Only Humans Need Apply. That was written in 2018. I reviewed it last weekend, frankly, in preparation for this meeting. Uh, posted some of my thoughts on LinkedIn, but more importantly, I, I would really recommend people read it, particularly because it's aged quite well, and particularly some of the things you mentioned, Hardeep, about human touch, etc. I think it has a nice structure for that. I'd also recommend uh, a very decent econo economist article also on my LinkedIn timeline, uh, which talks not about which jobs will get automated, but about whether organizations and societies allow automation. So there's a question of can something be automated versus will it be automated? There's a separate question of should it be automated? Now, ignore that for a moment. But even the can versus will is a really interesting piece. So those are on the broader topic. Now, coming to a specific question, Jake, which IT jobs are, uh, are most a threat and which ones are coming in? Um, well, First of all, uh, in addition to being chief data officer, I was also CIO for corporate functions. I had, I believe, 2,450 people in technology functions. Now, uh, some of them might be insulted in me saying so, but I don't believe I had more than a handful of hundred that were actually writing code. So the part of ChatGPT or generative AI that, uh, sorry, the part of the technology roles that seem to be most at risk of automation, at least in uh, in, in a large organization, it's a very small part of the technology shop, right? Um, it is not actual writing of code. It's not necessarily number of people, but the amount of time you spend, particularly in large technology organizations, writing code is quite low. And as of now, that is the area, um, potentially together with reading requirements or even reading code that is being automated. Now, there was a page I wanted to share. Let me see if I can share my screen. Um, uh, yeah, so this is from the GPT-4 technical report um, and the page I wanted to share is page 5 of that report I can ping this as well um, it's worth looking at it kind of says how well does GPT-4 do on various tasks uh, so on the leftmost column is GPT-4 rightmost is GPT-3.5 and there's the lead code um, tests in terms of how, how well it is doing on coding and you can see even now with the most recent advances there's actually a long way to go uh, to automate um, at a level that that is really reliable enough. I'm talking about coding here, not the other stuff, right? So that's worth keeping in mind. Again, this is from uh, OpenAI's own GPT-4 technical report. So wh where am I going with this? I think the, the point I'm making is, first of all, the tech that is there today at the moment is certainly in the core technology area. Um, its implications are more in the near future, uh, sorry, the short to medium term future than immediate. As of now, uh, yes, it produces somewhat possible code, but nobody will think of um, using that code without human review um, in an un, un, uh, unmitigated, non-human non, non, non review manner, right? So that's the first point. The second point, which I already made, was that actually coding, which is the only part that is automated here, is a relatively small part over the of the overall technology job you do. So if you bring these two together, the obvious answer might be actually not much. However, I do think it'll get much better at reading and writing code in the coming days. Um, I also think that over time, as organizations modernize their technology stack, you will have fewer, hopefully, of those roles that are not related to writing core code or building systems, right? So as a result of that, I do think we'll see uh, lowering of, uh, of, of employment in this space, relative lowering. 
which jobs are more at, most at stake? I actually think it's not strictly technology, and Hardeep, you'll hate me for this, but I actually think data scientist jobs will be significantly at risk, not because data science or AI applications will go down, but because a, there is a huge, there's going to be a huge move towards foundation models, not just in language models, but more broadly. And that will mean the need for independent data scientists in every organization will be significantly lower. On the software side as well, um, whatever, Hardeep, you mentioned about hi new hiring, if you look at the uh, software engineering um, or coding kind of technologies hiring pyramid, there's a much bigger ratio of, of the bottom to the top, right? That is going to go down. So in other words, new hires, inexperienced hires into the technology function uh, is going to go down, I think, I bet in the next five years, not even 10, 15 years. Now that has implications. Uh, you might say, well, that's good. We'll have fewer of them and they'll focus on the things that matter. And for a large part, that is good. The only problem with that argument is it still needs the experts and you lack that apprenticeship that is needed to create those experts. So that is one challenge that, that will stay. Otherwise, um, you know, you might argue it's not a bad thing if you have far fewer of more junior, less skilled people and more of higher skilled people. Everybody wants to think they're higher skilled, right? But at some point, we were all newbies. And it's going to get more and more difficult to be a newbie data scientist and a newbie IT engineer in the coming days. Now, which roles will do well? Um, actually, one of the things that if you really want to be safe uh, in your job, big legacy systems inside banks and hospitals and other organizations, nobody's going to automate those genuinely. Um, I actually did do an experiment with, with ChatGPT on kind of writing and reading some code that troubled me a long time ago when I was at Sanchart. Um, and... Um, it's actually quite good at writing anti-money laundering code. Where it fails is, of course, going through three different systems and figuring out the data mapping and the ETLs in there, right? So anything that is not in one system is spanning across multiple systems, involves a healthy dose of guessing what this field means, how is that linked to that other field, etc. That's probably safe. Um, the area of, uh, interestingly, Hardeep, and I will stop after this. I know I'm over my time, but I'll, I'll keep myself shorter in the other answers. The area that you mentioned, Hardeep, which I am in broadly, AI safety, AI testing. Interesting. One would have thought that the big companies would increase their um, number of people um, uh, in this space. All of them apparently fired large parts of their AI ethics team. Now, I'm not in AI ethics, but I do believe that the broader area of technology risk management, technology education that you mentioned, uh, you know, educating people about technology, technology lobbying, technology regulation, all of that will see uh, significant interest. How big? don't know. How big the volume? I don't know. Okay, I'm now well over my uh, allocated time, so I'll stop too. No, no worries. That was fascinating. No, really interesting to <clears throat> get some perspective on that. Maybe we should all go back and retrade on AS400 um, and we'll be safe. <laughs> um, cool. So um, I guess that brings us on nicely to the to the next question. You mentioned uh, kind of data scientist versus the software engineer in terms of the potential impact of, of AI. And Yes, the, the second question. So as AI becomes more prevalent in the workplace, what skills or qualifications do you think tech professionals will need to remain competitive and relevant? Will there be a need for new roles to emerge or will existing roles simply require new skills? Um, and I think because, because Shamik mentioned data science versus um, versus software engineering, I'll come to Hardeep again um, and feel free to... Uh, feel free to address that point from, from Shamika as well as part of your answer. So over to you, Hardy. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so 
yeah in terms of skill and again going a little broader than technology here right so when uh, desktop computers were introduced right like several years back right so that was something which basically got introduced to jobs right before that people used to just send memos around right and then it was like oh there is email now you need to write and type something on a computer and do this i think similarly now with more ai being uh, available at work and now you know that microsoft is going to come up with copilot x google at uh, io last week announced whole sort of new generative ai tools in their uh, office suite so i think everybody would need to pick up some of these skills it would be better if we embrace those skills rather than rather than being scared of this maybe pick up a little bit of digital literacy as well right the way we are trying to solve this for this at themis is again we have come up with this program called step it up where we are kind of trying to prepare the future digital workforce of singapore we are taking a lot of people from non digital backgrounds we are putting them through a four months regressive training and then making them digitally ready right so i think more programs like this would be required to make sure that more people understand and get comfortable with using these tools so it should be like a calculator that you learn to use and then start solving higher end problems rather than being afraid of like uh, like this is ai and it's going to take my job away right so i think we need to all embrace uh, embrace these skills we are in fact in the age of lifelong learning right every day you need to learn the field is changing so fast and this technology revolution is not going to stop right ai is changing fast so newer capabilities would emerge so i think in terms of your jd you will definitely have to put ai literacy on the top there and some of the skills like prompt engineering understanding how to talk to these models that is going to get a really a skill that everybody would need to acquire if you have to make these models your companions thanks hardy um so same question to to nilesh so as ai becomes more prevalent in the workplace what skills will need to be evolved and um, will new roles emerge or will existing roles simply require new skills um over to you nilesh yeah and thank you i think i think just kind of continuing what hardik had said um i think primarily uh, it's as like going back into the 80s right when there was the advent of internet people like the, people started to get comfortable like there was an apprehension then they went through that valley of death and then today people cannot survive with the internet i think that's i suppose that's what is going to happen in the sense um focusing on getting really comfortable with data uh, it's going to be very critical i suppose so so everybody it doesn't matter in which field you are i think you've got to get very comfortable with data because what's going to happen the volume and the variety and the velocity because as we start to advent 5g and 6g and 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 further on the velocity is going to go up so you've got to get really comfortable with all the three v's of the data so that that's one aspect of it which basically leads at as hardeep was saying in terms of driving your digital literacy your data literacy and in terms of how you actually build your ecosystems in terms of having very strong data architecture really starting from from um, bringing the whole user experience as well from the start uh, to to the down term in terms of how you actually generally collect the data and then build the models around that um so it, um as i think we talked about the few technologies that are starting to get embedded and i'm seeing that as i said i did use that in my previous example as well 
especially in healthcare right in terms of how the drugs get discovered so the scientists who are very good with science need to get very comfortable with the use of data science models and ai models to really look at how they discover drugs how, how do they discover compounds and similarly our marketers who today go with the traditional with the marketing need to really bring the digital elements so the whole digital marketing is going to go 6x and x whatever you call it uh, in terms of really applying how do you get the product into the market and then how do you actually get the customer to to buy into it so so from that perspective the whole application and the comfortable around data is going to be very very critical um so that's that's i think that's my summary i suppose Fantastic. That's, that's fascinating from, from your perspective, Nilesh. Um, so same question to, to Shamik. Um, second question. Over to you, Shamik. It's a bit unfair. You've got all the answers I thought about are already given by <laughs> Hardeep and Nilesh. But at least they're given by Hardeep and Nilesh, not by ChatGPT. Okay. Um, what would I add to that? Um, I think I'd add a parallel to the calculator um, I do actually remember doing a passing math exam some of them at least until my 10th grade without a calculator and then I think I got allowed to use a calculator um, and why I'm quoting that is in one way for those of you who are in jobs that are augmented uh, using AI um, I would say uh, yeah using a logbook as well I would comment Nilesh uh, <laughs> mentioned in our private chat maybe you might want to put in the main one as well um, I think one change is that instead of thinking how to do big sums, you have to start thinking about how does math get used more broadly. I'm just taking that as a rather weak parallel. But in, in many ways, you've got to think a little less about the exact mechanics of the work you are doing and perhaps a little more about how that fits in into a broader picture, right? Uh, and, and that can take various forms. So you take the doctor's example, um, uh, Nilesh, uh, it's just a full pager in, in, in the FT today about the positives and negatives of cancer detection using machine learning, among other things. Um, now, assume that works. What does an oncologist do or, or not even an oncologist? What does a GP do if the GP's job was to look for, uh, uh, you know, things that might um, be suggesting that this person has a cancer? What do they do? Well, actually, they just like today they use an ECG as one of the many tools they use this as well but they focus a little less on let me figure out if he or she has a cancer marker and a little more on okay into my regular checks of this patient I've got to build in the cancer marker test and I've got to t take a holistic view so that's probably not a perfect example but in many ways it's kind of stepping up a bit and taking what you used to do as a relatively smaller component in a broader piece, which I think should be really helpful for the quality of work because you're less in the weeds and slightly more um, broad. So that is one thing I would say. That's for those who cannot escape what they're doing today. I mean, if somebody told me to do something other than data at this age, uh, after spending two decades, I'd struggle, all right? But there are others who are not in that stage in their career. If you are free to do new stuff, then absolutely, again, quoting that book, look at things that are about stepping aside. Look at things that do require uh, a lot more human touch, particularly if you're a bit like that, if you have a high ability to engage with people, uh, or even in your current roles. Let's let's take a CDO role. Um, if, if, if in the past, a lot of your CDO role was about data quality management, data profiling, etc., maybe you focus much more of your role about data literacy and training and bringing up the organization's IQ, because those things, data IQ, because those things will require 
more of that human touch. So that would be a second thing I would say, which is if you are in a position to change the focus of your jo- job, add more of those human elements to that. So these are two things I would say. There's also a meta thing, and this is a bit scary for those of us in Singapore, and 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 we're always told by our governments, by our teachers, by our employers, continuously learn, etc. I'm afraid that is getting even more serious. And it's not so much that you learn deeply in a new topic. It's just you have to be constantly prepared to see what you thought you knew very well and you were very good at suddenly being usurped by something out there. So in many ways, the only learning that you probably need is the ability to constantly reinvent yourself. If you have that, um, not just the ability, but the inclination to do that, I think you're safe. If you don't, you're probably more at threat than you were six months ago before ChatGPT came in. That's really interesting. Thanks, Shami. Um So third question. Um, some experts have predicted that AI will eventually t- lead to mass unemployment, while others argue that it will create new job opportunities. Where do you stand personally? Um, Shami, I'll come to you first this time because uh, <laughs> you can have the, the yeah, yeah. Given, given your, you can have the the first the first um, idea as opposed to the last idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm since I've figured out how to use the the screen, I'm going to show you one more graphic because I can talk as much as I want. I hope you can see my screen. Um, this is the unemployment rate in G7 countries over the last two and a half decades. Um, you would think after 2000, when the internet came in, um, it would spike. And it did spike a little bit after the financial crisis. But generally, you can look at the trend, right? Uh, and, okay, past past results are no guide to the future and you should take things with all, all of that stuff. And I do believe, actually, several kinds of careers will will get more difficult. I do believe it will get more difficult to be a young person looking for your first job and figuring your way out in life. Sadly, for those of you who are still in college, I think that is going to get more difficult. But at a macro level, at the risk of being proven massively wrong in one year, um, I would say I would wager that you will probably not see mass unemployment. And for two reasons. One, in most societies in the world, we have a shortage of people to do work rather than the other way around, certainly in our society here in Singapore, uh, but also in many, many other countries. And yes, they're not in the places where people want to work. So people don't want to do that much work in social care, etc. Probably we'll have to shift what what is valued. Sorry, at the risk of giving another recommendation, there's a book called Hand, Heart, Head, which I would recommend that basically argues we focus too much on head jobs and not enough on jobs that require the heart or the hand. And I would say more hand and heart jobs um, there will be that. That's one part, which is there's enough jobs for the number of people that there are in the world. But the second thing, which this Economist article does very well, is that jobs that are there today, many of them are relatively new, but they're still a few decades old in many cases. And even if something can be automated in theory, this the time it will take to unravel everything, to completely take that job out, is very long. So, in, in other words, the time it will take to take out um, jobs that can be automated through ChatGPT, etc., will probably give us enough time uh, to find other stuff at a macro level. At a micro level, individual jobs like PR, copywriters, um, for example, many people have complained about that, or graphic artists, or like I said, young people trying to find their jobs will get impacted. 
But at a macro level, I don't think this is mass unemployment yet. Awesome. Thanks, Shamik. Nilesh, uh, third question. Experts have predicted that AI will eventually t- lead to mass unemployment. Others argue it will create new job opportunities. Where do you stand personally? No, I am. I'm, I'm in the Shamik camp as well, right? Look, I don't think so. There will be mass employment. It will be a shift, right? So there will be certain types of jobs that will go away, and and there will be new other jobs that would be created. I think the job will evolve. Uh, as I said, right? You've got to get a lot more comfortable using AI. I think that's where it, it starts to get evolving in terms of how do we use it. AI effectively to do your job better. I think that's where the shift would happen. I think, and there will be certain very specific, uh, like for example, as he alluded to, right? Um, people who go through like legal reviews, people who go through document reviews, uh, the whole medical writing, etc., etc. Right? All that, uh, like, and with large language models, and especially with the with the evolution that we're seeing. It's going to get a lot more sophisticated. Things can be done at a, a much faster rate. That means what we will do is we we'll, can then start to bring the application of that. <clears throat> because it's just going like if, if you go back the analogy, right? Before email was invented, we relied on post. And people were very comfortable with waiting for three, four, depending on the time it took to get the post. Today, people, then, then came email. People got wanted they, they what the gratification was starting to become a lot more kind of I need it now kind of thing and now even emails becoming the past of the thing because people want to communicate on on different uh, social media communication where the the gratification is almost instant so uh, I think from that perspective um, I see that the, um, the 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 application will become a lot more faster uh, as I said right because there is that 3B which will come into play um, and, and other than that I think um, it's more the evolution you would think um, I would not see like at least where I stand and again again I can, can't predict the future perfectly because I can be prone to wrong in, in a year's time uh, I, I don't see massive unemployment I think there is just a shift of where the jobs will be Fascinating. Thanks. Um, thanks, Nilesh. Um, same question, third question to Hardeep. Um, what are your thoughts? I think I'm in the same camp as well. Because, and again, for the similar reasons that everybody has said, right? Like, now, this is not the first technology revolution, right? Like, 100, 120 years ago, we were all, uh, like, majority of the people were farming, right? Now, then, industrial revolution came, right? And, and, there was shift in the jobs, but then new jobs got created, right? At at the point when the when this technology shift is happening, we can't foresee what is going to happen in the future. But inevitably, always with technology revolutions, once uh, the wave goes away, there is a higher level of needs and wants that emerge, and that yeah. leads to new level of uh, jobs that are created. We can't foresee them today, but it is inevitable, right? Like humans would always find another problem to solve, right? Now, at least 10, 15 years ago, I would have never thought or foreseen that there would be careers like YouTubers, streamers, 
social influencers right podcast producers right they're all new jobs now they are not ai related job but they are a result of technology which was basically social media revolution but these kind of jobs constantly come they evolve and some of these jobs get obsolete because of the new technology coming in but the new jobs are created right and if you even if you talk to economists right like their perspective is also same right like they are always saying that humans will find new problems to solve it's just that the nature of the problems would be different and the needs that we will try to solve are different we are not going to get into era where everything is solved and we are all like going to relax and chill out and take a early retirement right so yeah i totally agree i think this is this is another technology revolution this time it's different this is knowledge work that is getting automated rather than the uh, mechanical work that got uh, uh, revolutionized in the past technology revolutions but i think it would lead to similar ways as that's really really thought provoking thanks hardeep um i guess what one interesting point that's come through on the chat so um throw this one out is is neuralink an example of how humans should adapt with ai so um i think neuralink um is like a chip that transmit transmits neural signals to computers um so um who who wants to take that so neuralink is basically the company which elon musk has opened this is couple of years back they are trying to work on brain human interface so basic a machine and brain interface they are trying to put chips into human brain so that the um so that the information transfer happens much quicker today when humans communicate we we communicate through talking to each other the bandwidth of that communication is pretty slow it can be made much faster so he is basically trying to create the future augmented humans or cyborgs if i might say who would be able to learn things very fast because they can access that information on a chip right now again it's it's some technology which is getting built right now it's not there it might happen it might not happen we don't know it's it's getting experimented on pigs is what i know right now uh but yeah like as we as we see more intelligence the the better we can embrace that technology i think that is going to make uh, what we call as superhumans of the future right yeah yeah i know I, i know there is neuralink as well and it's interesting um, there is another startup as well which is looking called u.ai is a uai.ai which is interesting is basically is another conversational tool where it's basically trying to get a lot from what how you perceive uh starting to get you a lot more better so it's not just because what chat gpt or what any of the gpt engines do today is a lot more scrolling of data but this is bringing what how you perceive uh looking at technology and how does it apply so i think this is very interesting right again very much what hardeep was saying right rather than a chip this is getting the model is learning in terms of based on how you are responding to to the questions uh which the mor- the the model is throwing at you so uh it's an interesting space i think i think it's just the beginning as uh, the language models start to evolve uh, for not just language models the foundation models start to evolve i think um this space is going to get a lot more sophisticated um and that's where i think there is that general apprehension you know or judge uh, jeffrey hinton was saying and even yesterday at the congress he was saying that we got to absolutely slow down and start to bring the ethical element 
uh, into this conversation, which I think technology is moving much faster than we can catch up from a technical and uh, uh, from a legal perspective, I suppose. Uh, so, this yeah, it's a very very interesting times we live in. So, I have a slightly contrarian view on this. Um, not that we shouldn't embrace technology, of course we should, but uh, part of how we are going to survive as a race the only way we're going to survive as a race is if we also keep enough um, that is in many ways making us different so um, one thing I would advise against is to go I mean this is of course one of many others uh, you know the bionic man concept there are many other there's an entire book also on this topic which uh, which is of people who've kind of thought about uploading their brains so that after their death they can be a digital clone many many other aspects and there's nothing wrong with them we should we should embrace technology and try and make it work but we should also take the time to do the things that at least for now technology cannot do right um, and i wouldn't underestimate the importance of doing that no amount of technology and knowing about how uh, people in korea work versus how people in japan work versus how people in singapore work will prepare you for that first actual meeting uh, I still remember my first meeting in Korea. Nothing could prepare me for that. No amount of reading does. So I would say embrace technology by all means, but do embrace your your human side uh, and, and everything that a machine cannot give you. At the end, if it's all about machine learning, I'd love to keep the machines guessing, to be honest, <laughs> about who I am and what I might yeah. do next. Absolutely. Uh, I guess time for another quick question. Um, how can organizations support their teams during the transition to an AI driven landscape um i guess you come at this from either a kind of emotive standpoint or a or a tool standpoint but um any thoughts on that i think again embrace technology is what i'll say right so i have seen a lot of companies are right now worried about um like even for chat gpt right companies are blocking access to chat gpt because uh, of the data privacy issues now again this is just a starting point soon this technology would progress to a point where you would be able to deploy some of these models within your parameters so that the data issues are not that pertinent but you need to make sure that your employees are trained they have the right tooling at the end of the day it is going to make them more efficient and and your company's products and your customer service more efficient as well right so you should definitely invest as a company in education and and bringing your workforce along with you yeah, 100%. I mean, I think from from our perspective as a business, I think you know, I'm, I'm probably not um, anywhere near as capable as most of the people in our office when it comes to using technology. But at the same time, in, in conceptually in my head, if we can do things that were previously involved a lot of typing um, much more quickly, for example, like creating a job spec, um, creating a job advert, um, fixing a CV, uh, formatting certain documentation, then surely coming back to what Shamik mentioned about head, hand, heart, surely we can invest more of our time in actually giving a good experience to our candidates and our, our clients as, as people. Um, and if we're spending less time on, you know, digital or um, written tasks, then hopefully we can invest more time in, in people tasks, i.e. collaborating with colleagues or, you know, making sure we meet a candidate to give them interview feedback, positive or negative. Make sure we, you know, invest time in going down to meet our clients so that we're really understanding the culture of their business as opposed to spending all the time, you know, write, writing long emails or long documents or long job descriptions, um, which 
you know isn't isn't the best use from a you know people people centric perspective um any thoughts on that nilesh and on that question how how organizations can support their teams during the transition no i think yeah it's it's a good change management question right so to, to be honest right it's, it's around how do you make sure that you there is very good processes that are very good you know, things to do about how do you upskill your talent the, the the talent agenda has to be very clear in terms of how are you continuously developing your talent uh, and upskilling them so they they stay relevant that's critical right you've got to stay relevant as we say right technology is moving at a much faster rate so how do you keep your workforce relevant through the right learning mechanisms that you can introduce i think that's going to be very very critical so from that perspective uh, this is not just about um, the the hard skills right also the human skills uh, that need to be applied as uh, as well right and making sure uh, you have a multi lane um, capability right in terms of people who love to to work with hardcore technology people who want to be in the management and manage teams and that so you you got to make sure that you are aligning your learning management to to adapt to what the needs are for uh, for the teams um and then on the application side i think we spoke about it the whole digital and data literacy is going to be very very critical one thing i think one and most for most we all have to get comfortable with the use of data because unless you get comfortable with the use of data like in terms of producing the you the, the question of ai and anything that is that's all theoretical right so you got to make sure you get that piece absolutely right thanks silash um any thoughts on that shimik sure i'll focus my uh, answer on the specific point on it teams because i think all the answers so far were brought beyond just it teams So I guess it's worth thinking of the IT teams question in two parts. One is how can organizations support their IT teams in terms of how the IT function becomes more AI driven. I think there everything you said does apply. There's a different point which is how does organization an organization get their IT team to a position where it can support the rest of the organization in its AI. And that's actually a really important point because one thing that ChatGPT and foundation models is doing is that it is removing both it and data science from the middle in the minds of many business folks right so i i've i've met chief data and analytics officers were like for three years shamik i've been telling them we should do something on this side they ignored me and then one day one presentation from open ai and suddenly they want to do customer focused chatbot and i'm shit scared so he's now at the risk of getting disintermediated right so we should think about what what kind of reallocation should the likes of nilation my expos do in terms of you know where do the it people fix it and data science teams focus if much more of automation will be driven by you know foundational models foundational technology for example and so for example figuring out security aspects figuring out how to it is becoming more and more inevitable that even the most regulated organizations will have to work on the cloud you can't say i won't work on the cloud and use these or or even use software as a service options right how do you prepare your organization for the security challenges the privacy challenges around that that is going to be one big area right maybe less on building models and productionization productionizing in-house models and much more on scrutinizing third party output or third party models because those are what the ones I'm going to use so i think it's worth thinking of both those angles if you're a cio both what do you do to help your own team with their careers with their prospects 
but also what do you do to help the rest of the organization? What is the role of the CIO if OpenAI is providing 90% of the automation? That it's not, I'm just kidding. But what is the role of the CIO in that situation, right? That's something to think about because this is one thing that ChatGPT has changed or foundation models have changed more broadly. I think the buy versus build equation has changed quite fundamentally in several areas. It will now be much more of buy in several areas than build. Really interesting. Uh, a couple, couple of interesting points and, and questions have come through on the chat. I guess I'm conscious not to deviate away from the, the topic of which jobs will will thrive and which will die. But um, just mention a couple of interests. Obviously, you know um, more about the potential risks. So one thing we haven't really touched on is kind of bad actors um, with with AI. And you know, a couple of people mentioned you know the the potential health risks of Neuralink. Um, you know, what what are the um, risks when it comes to data and hacking. I guess one one interesting question, and it does relate to the um, to the topic of which jobs will thrive and which will die, is um, obviously with the prevalence of AI, the checks and balances with regards to um, the utilization of AI for potentially um, you know um, you know mis unethical or or mischievous means. Will will that increase the need for people who are in cybersecurity? You know, human human um, oversight on potential um, you know hacking related areas. Would there be an increase in need for people within that cybersecurity domain? Or you know, I, d I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on cybersecurity, but just really brief final thoughts on you know bad actors and whether that might create additional jobs when it comes to people evaluating or putting checks and balances in place with regards to either you know regulation of AI is obviously a massive topic at the moment in the US. I think the um, CEO of um, one of the most prevalent AI companies at the moment was speaking in Congress um, over the last 48 hours on the topic. But not to go through, uh, go down a massive rabbit hole in this, but I guess to relate it specifically to the topic on jobs, do you see that regulation, risk, cybersecurity, that kind of area might be an area where we see growth? Um, whereas perhaps if, if data science an area where we may not see um, so much growth. Um, yes. Any thoughts so maybe, on that? Yeah, so maybe I'll take that given that I do work in one of these areas. Uh, the one thing I would say is uh, I think there's a difference between security, hacking, privacy, where I do actually see security, hacking, privacy, working across cloud environments, third-party risk management. These are all practical here and now jobs. If you're in one of these areas, you should see a massive interest. You should ask for higher salaries. You're really good in your area, right? Uh, that's different from regulation, from countering misinformation, from deep fakes, etc. Regulation is a relatively niche area. And, and frankly, the, the history of AI regulations shows that once you've figured it out, more or less, uh, it, it won't take that many people. The one that is tricky is misinformation, deep fakes, etc. There's a school of thought that says, yes, we'll need a massive number of humans to deal with that. There's another school of thought that says, this is way beyond humans anymore. The only way we're going to counter that is through more machines it's just it's just not so in that sense it's extremely important it's an area of investment but i'm not sure it's an area of jobs just because there just won't be enough not mass jobs there will be a few people who are thinking about how to use technology to counter this how to prevent it in the first place but not billions of people sitting and checking images for the most part they won't even be able to make out the misinformation and deep fakes yeah and i think around deepfakes and all that, if you see Google I.O.'s event last week as well, right? Now, Google is 
for the use of generative ai they are going to watermark most of the images so and and they are going to add metadata to most of the generative ai text that is going to get generated right so from the get go if the companies who are releasing products like google if they adhere to these policies then you should be able to recognize like which images are fake generated or which images are generated uh, by a human right what content is created by humans and as chamik rightly pointed out right like uh, machines are going to be the only way to or algorithms are going to be the only way to scale this across the internet even when you don't have uh, images which have these watermarks or or metadata attached to them the only way you would be able to scale the uh, way in which you can figure out that these things are generated using generative ai is going to be another kind of a uh, uh, model which would basically go through these things and say okay how what's the likelihood that this is a generated content yeah i think most of it has been said right i think overall i think the risk the overall risk management uh, whether it is linked to privacy whether it's linked to information security uh, copy infringement name it in general in general i think the risk management ha- has to be elevated because that's because like for every good cause there will we'll have three tactics which figure out how to crack it right so they always two steps ahead so i think as hardi pointed out uh, machines and the the ai algorithms have to stay ahead of that game in terms of managing the overall risk in whatever application that you're putting forward awesome thanks thanks nilesh um i think all, all of those absolutely fascinating i guess uh, we i'm conscious of time and we are running out of time i guess um is is there any kind of final thoughts i'm i'm conscious to kind of relate it to the specific topic of of it jobs um are there any kind of final thoughts that you you think would be worthwhile people um taking away from this you know this this event this this podcast that you'd you'd want to finish off with i think for me to just summarize this entire discussion is um, embrace technology be a lifelong learner be curious and 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 the world will evolve right like these this is just one wave of technology more waves will come and as humans we have always endured all these technology revolutions and we would this time as well yeah change is change is the only constant in this world right so we just have to be comfortable around that um and overall i think the human mind is still superior so i think we got to make sure that the human mind is staying ahead and adapting to the change that is coming our way yep uh, i'd only add that um yeah t- take time to look at the non ai non technology aspects as well that's also part of being human thanks mate um so I think that's that's all we've got time for today. Um unfortunately I think we could we could talk all day about this and I'd love to continue chats in person and offline but thanks so much to all three of you. Um and you know thanks thanks so much Hardeep Shmeet to Tony Lesh. Um and thanks very much to the audience that've been you know particularly engaged and a lot of people kind of subscribed to this event uh, literally in the hour before. So um it's absolutely fascinating to hear your insights um into surviving the AI takeover. Um this has been the Evolution Exchange. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Um see you next time when we'll be discussing another hot topic prevalent in in the tech space. Um thanks again guys. Thanks a lot to to the panelists. Thanks everyone for for watching and listening. Um and catch up soon.